2: I don't know if any of you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times. Well, apparently, honeybees are just disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them. All right, let's hear some theories about why this might be happening. Nobody? You're not interested in what happened to the bees? all the teachers? The administration makes us teach with a foot of snow on the ground. What is this?
3: There appears to be an event happening.
1: Homeland Security and the CDC
4: has reported attacks. Boston, Philadelphia,
1: Maryland.
0: White House officials claim the CIA has a defense against chemical weapons.
1: I don't know. And everyone's dead outside.
0: What's going on? We
2: lost contact. With whom? Everyone.
1: The government's testing something there. It went wrong.
2: The affected area now includes California.
0: Authorities are not feeling, by the sheer numbers of attacks, that a terrorist would be responsible for, It's becoming less and less likely.
2: Science will come up with some reason to put in the books. But in the end, it'll be just a theory. We will fail to acknowledge that there are forces at work beyond our understanding.
4: Welcome to They Call This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on the podcast services by searching They Call This A Movie. We are part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamie. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This A Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys.
2: Hello. Has there ever been a movie that ha- you could pinpoint as the low point of a director's run than sort of the one we just watched. I don't
4: depending. know. I think he's got a lot in the running. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But, I'd say he's more, he's way more off than on.
2: No, I'm just saying, like, I was talking to with co-workers and we said it's like a steady decline from Sixth Sense, you know, yeah. down and the happening is like the bottom.
4: I think there's people in the Lady in the Water camp that would disagree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that from after this? This that was before. That was two thousand six. Okay. It's all it's all shit. Yeah. <laughs> there right. are ma- there are many there are many levels of that uh of the low. <laughs> yeah, I I would agree. And and then it's
3: kind of strange where he he has like you said the sixth sense signs and then like he had that movie Devil, which was I wonder if it was because it's competent compared to Lady in the Water and and the movie We Will Be talking about tonight where are just like oh okay well that wasn't too bad but then it's kind of just like you're you're measuring up to these other failures of movies and that's why yeah i feel like he didn't direct that was that producing i think he produced it okay so that i just remember seeing his name on the uh
4: on the marquee you could be right though i don't remember that was that time when, like, it was really hip to have directors, quote unquote, present movies mm-hmm. like Eli Roth's Hostel, I think, was presented by Quentin Tarantino, which meant absolutely nothing. It was just <laughs> something that they could say <laughs> in the trailer. Yeah.
2: Did he, did he hand the film off to the pro, guy in the projector? <laughs> Probably. Is that, <laughs> right. is that what project, presented mean? Yeah. There you go. Put that on the reel.
3: He was on <laughs> he was on set for a grand total of 10 minutes. Yeah.
4: And oh. then uh, he, he got to put his name on there. He said yes. either
2: action or rap.
4: So <laughs> yeah, so Devil was not directed by him, but it's a story by credit he gets. Okay. But before we get into this week's movie, we know that Mark did not watch a movie this week. Nope. And so we're going to go right to Dan. Dan, what did you watch this week?
3: All right, so uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief because uh, I watched a ton of movies, but uh, just a few notable ones. I watched The Bone Collector for the first time with Denzel and Angelina Jolie. And I think Ed O'Neill is in it. Yeah, Ed O'Neill. Very good cast. I can't believe it took me this long to watch it. It was so good. And it's a movie where Denzel never leaves the room. He's yeah. stuck in a bed, and it's it's so good. Easiest and movie
4: he's ever had to do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> just collect a paycheck. Angelina Jolie was really good in it. And I kind of had to eat my words, because prior to watching that, we, Jen and I were sitting down I was like, ah, you know, like Denzel's awesome, obviously. I was like, yeah, I'm not really a, a big Angelina Jolie fan. And Jen was surprised. Well, really? Like, she, I think she's great. Like, yeah, you know, not so much for me. But she was really good in this movie, so I kind of had to eat crow there. I watched that. And then that led me into a little bit of a Angelina Jolie kick where I watched Mr. And Mr. and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which not very good, but, you know, two beautiful people are in it. So I enjoyed it for the most part. I watched that. I watched The Leviathan with Peter Wellers and Daniel Stern. Whenever I see Daniel Stern in a movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's done more things than Home Alone movies.
4: (laughs) Yeah, like Chud. (laughs) Chud, yeah. (laughs) We watched that at your
3: your parents' house. Forever, I just thought that was a Simpsons gag.
4: Nope. So Home Alone is really a Chud reunion between him and uh, the dad. I mean, yeah,
3: that's right. I forgot he's also <laughs> in it. That's the most important thing
4: to take away from Home Alone.
3: <laughs> what, what like a weird collaboration, right? It's like, <laughs> hey, remember when we were in that movie Chud? And we don't talk about Chud anymore. <laughs> I watched that. I watched Raya and the Last Dragon. It just became available on Disney Plus. And it was fine. I don't really see what all the, the hubbub was about it. I I wonder if it's just because it's, you know, Disney stands.
4: Mm-hmm. Was there a hubbub?
3: It it scored very well, and I I saw a lot of people tweeting about it, and that's kind of why I got into it. I didn't really understand. It it has a decent message, but I don't know. I wasn't really blown away by it. It wasn't one of their stronger movies, I think. Okay. Is that it? Again, so many, but I I think I'm just going to leave it at those.
4: Okay. Yeah, so I watched a bunch of movies too, so preface this by saying we've taken quite a bit of time between their, this episode and the last episode we recorded, because Mark can't handle going maskless anymore, so he got sick. Yeah. But before that, I watched a couple of Joe Bob's Briggs' The Last Drive-Ins, watched Spookies, which has very much, they call this a movie, potential, as does the other one I watched, Sledgehammer. also watched Plan B, which is a Hulu movie. Uh, it was good. It's like a road movie where a girl thinks she might get might have gotten pregnant from a party the night before. So her and her best friend go take a road trip to go get the plan B pill because they're like in North Dakota or something like that. So they'd have like no nearby Planned Parenthoods around. So it's oddly there's a movie that's almost identical to the idea called Unpregnant that came out like six months prior. But she's get she has to drive really far to go to Planned Parenthood to get an abortion. So it's weird that both of those movies came out relatively close to each other. It's not bad. It's kind of got like a, you know, I think similar to Booksmart in terms of that kind of uh, relationship sort of thing. It's very female driven. It's not bad. I wasn't the the demographic for it, but it was, I've seen worse. It's like a six and a half, solid six and a half. Mm-hmm. I also watched Raya and the Last Dragon. I think I liked it a little bit more than Dan, but I mean, it was like, A seven. It was cute. I enjoyed it. You mentioned that you didn't think the the CGI looked great. I didn't think it was bad at all. So Yeah, I I
3: thought it looked more like like a
4: Disney Channel movie and not something
3: that you would see in theaters. But I didn't hate it. It, like you gave it a seven, I'd probably give it like a a six and a half.
4: And I watched Mitchell's versus the Machines, which you would talked about earlier. I like that. Probably a little bit better than I liked the Ryan the Last Dragon. That was fun to watch. And then I watched something that was not fun at all. It was Bo Burnham Inside. It's super depressing, I heard. So yeah, this heard is too. hardly a comedy special. It's it's kind of like, you have to kind of separate it because it's it's almost like a performance art piece, really. I'm pretty sure he's playing a character, but he's playing that character really well. Gets, is this more like a cry for help? There are points I was watching this thinking to myself, am I watching a suicide note? Oh God. <laughs> it was interesting. It was really well done. If you're not looking at it from a comedy special standpoint, if you're watching this as a pseudo documentary or a perf- like a performance art piece, it's really interesting. Like the camera work is is pretty incredible for a guy who's literally just in his house by himself doing everything. The cinematography is pretty excellent for that that idea. He's if that's his house though, it's a shitty fucking house, which blows my mind. Where does it? Does he say where it takes place and like what what um, state? It's probably the valley in California, but it's kind of a piece of shit. I don't know if that's his house, but man. He's, maybe that's why he's so sad. Maybe. The very <laughs> guy who's been as popular as he's been for a decade. And he's only 30. I thought he was so much. I thought he was a lot older. Because wow. he seemed I, like he's been around for a long time. I
3: didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought... I, I, I've i heard his name a whole lot. I know he's had a
4: bunch of specials. But I didn't realize he was all that popular. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he directed 8th Grade. So he's, like, also a director. Yeah, that's he, wrote awesome. and, he wrote and directed that. But it, it was an interesting watch. I'm not really super familiar with his his stand up. I know he does like I mean he does songs. Yeah. Songs are really good, but it's if you're coming at it looking like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh for an hour and a half, yeah, temper those expectations. If
3: you're going into it thinking it's gonna be a funny comedy special, like any other comedy special, it's not. That's right. that's what you're telling us. Right. That's a problem, no? I I listen, I guess you, you need those kinds of specials as well. Because it can't always be just straight-up stand-up, you
4: know? Yeah, it's very experimental. Like, he he plays with, like, the medium a lot. Like, all of a sudden, he's, like, there are parts where he's pretending he's, like, re- doing a reaction video of, like, the last song he just played. Mm-hmm. And then it repeats itself. And then there's a point where he's acting like he's a Twitch streamer. It's It's hard to describe sometimes, but... It's an interesting watch. If you're into kind of a experimental experience or something wholly unique, I'll say. I would definitely give it a try. If you're a fan of his stuff, too, I would I would say watch it. But I don't really know him much about him. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool, though, if not
3: a little depressing.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you just uh, got to be in the right mind state. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm sure a lot of it is is autobiographical as well as, you know, a hyper version of what he may have gone through in the past year but you know it's it's very pandemic heavy because that's the reason why he's in all by himself I mean, it's interesting he's got a lot of interesting things to say in it so and then i watched the sandlot i revisited that because i do every every summer i watched the sandlot and i watched jaws i don't watch jaws yet but i watched the sandlot this week yeah jaws will be coming up soon for me as well yeah, yeah
2: you have three weeks so jaws right in
4: july 4th
3: yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but uh it, I guess this is like the new Twitter trend where they'll say go on Letterboxd, look up your favorite movie and then look up its one of its lowest reviews. Yeah. So I over dinner I was looking at like King Kong, Jaws, the uh, the 1989 Batman, and oh my god, it people don't people who write the reviews clearly don't understand <laughs> movies or just how like movies age the whole, yeah. the whole idea of aging. So for instance, King Kong was just like, you don't need to see this movie. The special effects are crap. It's 1933, man. <laughs> don't you you should not be allowed to write anything. If you leave that kind of review and and the same thing with jaws, it was like, it's so outdated. What do you mean it's updated? It's 1970. It's like of course it's going to be the, the 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 shark's not going to look like uh you know like what what's a more recent shark movie? 47 meters down or something. Yeah. yeah it's not going the to Meg. look the Meg. Yes. <laughs> my one of my wife's
4: favorite movies.
3: You're it's not going to look like like an actual shark and
4: I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a special movie and I think we do have a perspective of this because we do a podcast where we watch sometimes truly terrible movies. It takes a special movie to get a half a star. And that's what you're wa- you're looking at. You're looking at reviews for Jaws that are half a star, right? Yes. Yep. And if you're being honest, only so many movies deserve that. And certainly, no matter what you think about Jaws, it is not a half a star movie. No, never. In no circumstance. Because I did the same thing for a couple of movies. I did Ghostbusters, which the prevailing argument was that it was misogynistic. (laughs) That's King Kong. King Kong was racist and misogynist.
3: That's what Uh, the prevailing uh, themes were.
4: And then Back to the Future was boring. Too much talking and racist towards Libyans.
2: (laughs) Who are in the they movie? Take, for they all of take the Libyans of all the things that say racist in that movie.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, the fact I that a know.
2: white man discovered well, Johnny Bad for Marvin Barry. <laughs> right, that's a good point.
4: There's also that, that, a choice word used at that band yeah. too. <laughs> oh, that's right. But oh, it wasn't Billy Zane who says it, right? No, it was okay. uh, one of the other goons. Yeah, listen,
3: you you have to hold these movies. Under a microscope, if you're going to hold them under a microscope and you're really going to judge some of these movies for those kind of tones, movies aren't for you. I think like you don't understand how things progressed and how like what movies were like in 1933 when King Kong came out and how they treated the the, the villagers on the island. Sure, it wasn't great. Yeah, there was some misogyny in there for sure, but does that mean it's not a classic movie? No, it's still it's the pioneer for monster movies for special effects. It's just a good old over all around movie. I think yeah. someone had mentioned like oh you know like how Godzilla was to Japan's nuclear holocaust like their fear of nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. King Kong was America's fear of black people. Maybe I'm off. I was like, are they saying that Kong was that? I don't, I don't understand 100%. I, I, I never took a, that away. It, to me, it was always, you know, the underlying, it was beauty that killed the beast in that movie, you know? I, I don't even think that movie's about fear. No. Th- I mean, it, it's about greed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's doing whatever it, it, the Carl Denham could do to become rich and famous. And that was pretty much taking this animal off of its its natural land right in, in like interfering with that so that's how I kind of took it and I again the whole point when as I was going through these letterbox reviews I was like man a lot of people I feel like really miss the point of these movies and it kind of scares me for the future because if you're giving Jaws or Ghostbusters or King Kong or back to the future half star reviews, I don't think there's any movie out there that you're like, like you really going to love. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. It, it makes no sense.
3: And then yeah. I I kind of want to see what they do love.
4: Yeah. That's usually the next step is to look and see what they actually rate high. I think that's all we got to talk about or what we watched this week. So we are going to take a quick break and listen to some ads. While, and we'll be right back. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week, Mark picked it. Yes. So Mark, why don't you introduce yeah. what you did? Yes, yeah, so uh, I picked The Happening, M. Night Shyamalan classic.
2: So my main reason for picking this, I had down to two movies, but this was the only one of the the five Shyamalan movies I know. knew, I had forgotten about Lady in the Order, that I hadn't seen. Like I had seen Sixth Sense, Signs, The Village, Unbreakable, You know, and I hadn't seen the happening, but I'd heard everybody like make references and make fun of it. So I thought it'd be a good thing for this podcast. And I was right for reasons that I was not expecting going in there. There are things that happened in this movie that I found more funny just watching it now rather than when it came out. So I was entertained by that. Overall, it's like we said earlier, it's down with a pile of other shit that he made. So it's not a great movie. 10 20 minutes of it, you know, after the the cold open, I got some entertainment I was not expecting. So.
4: Okay. So you this is your first time watching it.
2: Yes. What did you expect? Well, I knew the twist because that's the joke everyone makes. It's um, not really
4: much of a twist though, is it? It's just the resolution. Yeah, what I get in in terms yeah. of M Night Shyamalan worlds, everything has yeah. to be a twist.
2: Yeah. And yeah, essentially what I was expecting it to be would be a little more of a like that they didn't figure it out so quickly that it was just something that would be that stupid Shyamalan thing where it's like in the last 10 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Warburg just looks up and goes, oh, it's the plants or, you know, something like that. And that was it. <laughs> but yeah. them figuring out so early made it a whole different movie than I thought. And it was also funny that for those of us, those people that watch this movie that do not live in in or around the state of Pennsylvania realized that there is a whole lot of nothing between the two major cities in that state and they made a good use of that Mm -hmm. and felt very realistic for towns and stuff that I've driven through up and back from college so that that was a lot of fun you could really tell it was a guy from that area that knew how vast nothing is in is in that part of the state
4: okay Dan what about you where are you coming from with the happening So I've seen this movie
3: one other time, and, you know, I wasn't really dreading watching this movie because it's really silly, just in in terms of how bad it is. I keep waiting for some brave soul, and maybe it's happened and I haven't seen it, but I keep waiting for some brave soul to drop that hot take, like, you know, the happening is really a misunderstood masterpiece. And then for that discussion to come in where... He or she emboldens others to be like, yeah, you know that movie's awesome because this because people have terrible takes on Twitter and all that. And I, I'm just I'm waiting for the, this movie to enter that chat, right? Because you have like w- what's a big one like the Amazing Spider-Man movies, right? Mm-hmm. We're like you know Andrew Garfield, w- we we love him as as Peter Parker. And those movies are masterpieces. And it's like, well, no, it's bad for a reason. And this movie is bad for a reason. I'm surprised everyone involved with this movie was able to shake off the stink of it, you know? Sure. And yeah, this is the type of film that literally should have ruined some careers. Mm -hmm. It's poorly acted, poorly written, sometimes poorly shot. And I, I agree with you, Mark, where... Not only do they figure out what's going on pretty quickly, the 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 resolution is brought on by like a throwaway character. It's not yeah. Wahlberg or Zoe Deschanel who figures out that it's you yeah. know it's the the <laughs> it's trees. The it's it's hot dog guy. <laughs> yeah. and it, I think first of all, obviously everyone out there knows about the twist with the plants and the trees talking and doing this, and. I really, I found myself wishing that it would have been anything else that was doing, you know, like, like maybe like a meteor passes over and it just like fucks with people's minds or it's the government doing it. And I I think someone mentions, oh, could it be governmental or could it be like a terrorist attack? Yeah. I wish he had gone with that idea because it would have made way more sense. And the beginning is a little, it's kind of harrowing when you see... Bodies flying off of construction sites, and then it's like the bodies twitching on the ground. Like it's kind of freaky. Mm-hmm. And then it just takes everything away when you find out why. It's like oh man, that is yeah, that, so anticlimactic.
2: yeah That cold open before you sort of discover it is probably the best part of this. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's pretty wild because they're they're walking in Central Park and you, you hear the screams, and it kind of sets you up like oh shit, like something something's gonna something big's coming this way. And then you know you see the I think the cop shoots himself the cabbie shoots himself and then the the body start flying off of the construction site the the building and yeah that's pretty you know if you if you've been if you worked in a major city and you know there's scaffolding or whatever I I could imagine seeing that and that would it would probably ruin my day I'd say <laughs> uh, and I'm sure it would ruin uh, the people who fell it, it would ruin their day as well but yeah and it's it's cool and then it, the the movie loses me in the next scene where you see mark Wahlberg as a science teacher yeah you know, there's there's that's not true <laughs> come on movie
2: can we talk about how the way he acts as the science teacher feels for some reason feels very much like where andy sandberg got that character from yeah for Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> sure. his delivery in that entire scene is basically that character. Mm. Does, that,
3: does anyone have any suggestions? Come on, guys! Someone's got to have something. You got to hey. love science.
1: Yeah. Uh,
4: <laughs> doesn't anyone care about the bees? <laughs> I'll start off. I I have seen this one, movie once before, and yeah, everything that Dan said. This is this this isn't the worst movie we've ever covered. But it might be the stupidest movie we've ever covered. Yeah. <laughs> and we covered movie, Love on a Leash. <laughs> this movie is dumb. I don't get it. Uh, the whole scene—the whole scene with him acting as a science teacher—it feels like the, the gym teacher is filling in for somebody <laughs> on maternity <laughs> leave. Oh, that's good. Because Mark Wahlberg—he uh, seems so uncomfortable pretending to be to know that he knows science. You know? <laughs> the i this whole movie is people staring at trees. I don't really know what to say. He says we have to just keep ahead of the wind, and then there's a scene where people are trying to outrun wind. It's, yeah, yeah. And as a science teacher, you should know you that, that's impossible. It's it's just ridiculous. And then I think one of the problems with it. There's a lot of problems with this movie. Um, one of the problems is that the movie feels like it's trying to be like a, a send up of fifties monster movies. And I'm pretty sure that's what M night Shyamalan came about after this movie bombed. It's like, Oh, well it's supposed to be like, you know, it's supposed to be like the, the thing or the the blob, you know, something like that. Mark Wahlberg did not get that memo. No, he's pl- <laughs> he's delivering every line so earnestly. Like, the what? No. When he's in the house, it's just the there's the the scene where he's doing the scientific method trying to figure out yeah. how to help people that are killing themselves, and they all just wind up killing themselves in the time it takes them to figure it out. It's it's no one told him, hey, this is a wink at the camera type of movie. And yeah. maybe no one told M Night Shyamalan until he watched it after everyone hated it. I was like, oh, I inadvertently made a comedy. I didn't even realize that. I'm gonna pretend like that was my plan the whole time.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the most comfortable Mark Wahlberg seemed in this movie is when he was shitting on that kid. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I I think some people were doing
3: different movies, you know, like because Mar because Anthony's right, Wahlberg's taking it too seriously, and uh, Deschanel is. I think she's trying to be more dramatic, you know, like. Because she has that storyline where she cheated on him, which she didn't even cheat on him with. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that's the whole big thing. Like she went and had tiramisu with some guy. Yeah. Like oh wow, you you harlot, you! How dare you! And it's like she, it's like it's really eating her up. And it's mm-hmm. like th-
4: this fits nowhere in the movie. I I think she's just on coding the entire time throughout this movie. Yeah. She's sleepwalking. Right.
3: Yeah. It, it's, she. She's she's in a different movie. Then Mark Wahlberg is in, and then everyone else encompassing this movie is in the movie that I think they're supposed to be in. Sure. And it's just it's all these people fighting against your main characters, I think. And mm-hmm. it, it's very jarring. You 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 introduce a weird storyline with this a crazy woman far too late into this movie. Mm-hmm. Right? It's in the last act of the movie, essentially. Yeah. Where you, you get the the crazy shut in. You get two. You you kill two kids, and there's really, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He I mean they he he kills two kids off, and it's immediately forgotten. Right. Yep. It, you would think that watching two children blown away would be a cause for some type of emotional scene afterwards. Yeah. No, nope. it's just you know on to the next house. One
4: of those kids getting his head
3: blown off like oh. JFK. <laughs> Right, and, and you see the hole in his head essentially. It's it's not like right on, but you see a giant red spot. Yeah. And like holy shit, you know, <laughs> like that's that's you you don't see that very often, even in horror movies. Even in horror movies, you don't see kids get killed that often. Yeah. It, you got to let that scene breathe, mm-hmm. and
4: he it's just on to the next scene. Yeah. It's like he wanted to make the mist. That's pretty good. Yeah. And. He's like, well, what if we do it where you don't see the mist, and then you don't tell your actors that. I don't know. I don't know what you don't tell your actors on the set of the mist to make this movie. <laughs> and, and
3: you know, like everyone, everyone always jokes about that one Wahlberg scene where he's talking to the the um the rubber tree plant. Yeah. Or the the uh, the rubber plant or the plastic plant. And to me, like yeah, that's awful. I'm not going to say it's not. But I don't even think that's his worst, worst bit of acting in this movie. No, because like some one of you mentioned, I think it was you aunt, where he's talking to the crazy lady and she's like, you're going to rob me and kill me. I know. What? No,
4: (laughs) that right there. He delivers it. Like he was totally planning to do it. Yeah. Like he just <laughs> that's got That's exactly my plan. Right. Like he's got the knife raised over his head and she turns around quickly and he's just hiding it behind his back. Like,
2: whoops. That Not scene's cool.
4: terrible. The scene where they're trying to convince the people to let them in the house is terrible. Oh, he starts singing um, shit. Yeah, yeah. What is he singing? Oh black water, keep on yeah. rope and he
3: sings totally off key. Like, that's so cool. odd
2: we well, more of a me. rapper anyway.
3: That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> but if if
2: I, if there's a, a, a
3: catastrophe going on outside and a man starts to sing that song, that gives me even more of a reason to not let you in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you.
4: Just do anything <laughs> what, but start singing. One thing I wanted to bring up, because we were talking about movies that, I don't even remember if it was on the podcast. It might have been off after. We were talking about movies that are, being called misogynist, like Ghostbusters or something like that. This movie spends the better part of the first half hour of it before you meet the female lead, making sure you dislike her. And I don't understand why. Before Zoe Deschanel is on screen, we get a whole scene of John Leguizamo telling Mark Wahlberg that he knew from the day he married her that she was not going to be the right fit for him. Yeah,
3: that's true. Uh, he just shits all over uh, Zoe. And I again, such an
4: asshole to her when they meet up. Right. And, and again, it's for
3: such... Like, it, first time watching this, you might think, like, wow, you know, she's, she must be like an ice queen or something. And the, the, again, the reason they give you is because she went with a co-worker to get dessert. Yeah. I, I, okay, I get it. Maybe she thought about doing it. But that's such a harmless act. Yeah. Right. Is, is it worth John Leguizamo's ire? Hardly. And she's not that bad of a person in this movie. She's just she's even texting this guy. You know, like you can't you can't call me. What we did was a mistake. Mm-hmm. So she's not leaving this on. So, yeah. again, I don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it there's really no reason
4: to hate her. Yeah. And it's like he he doesn't even know that little fact about her. Her. That's true. He just doesn't like her, and he makes it known. And as as the audience, we're led to believe that there's no reason not to think he's telling us the truth, or you know, he's we're assuming he's a good judge of character in this, and that we should dislike Zoe Deschanel in this car- in this movie before we've even met her. And then when we meet her, she's getting phone calls from another guy. <laughs> right, and and again, it, it I think.
3: When when you see that you're like oh man she's cheating on Mark Wahlberg I get it and then when you find out why it's just, it it doesn't equal out yeah you know again if she's if she's having an affair sure I get it she's she's a not a good person but yeah man it's
4: you you gotta you gotta give me more of a reason to not like a person yeah because for the rest of the movie there's there has been no reason to mm-hmm. not like her. I don't know yeah, why we, she, we're supposed to get off on such a bad foot with our m- female lead, but this yeah. movie makes sure we do.
3: She she doesn't argue with him, right? She doesn't give him a hard time no. about anything.
4: No. She's the, very agreeable. Yeah. They just make a mention that she doesn't want to have kids until he learns how to grow up. Which is probably true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Mark Wahlberg we're talking about here. Right. And it's just guys in general.
3: I, like, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be that person. But a lot of guys are immature, and that's definitely a thing where we need to grow up a little bit before we we get serious about things.
4: Yeah, and if there's if there's something worse than Boston Mark Wahlberg, it's Philly Mark Wahlberg. So yeah. you know he's got to be a piece of shit. <laughs> well, Boston Mark Wahlberg almost killed a man. So, but uh, I mean, uh, it... Philly Mark Wahlberg probably threw batteries at Santa Claus.
2: Probably. Or murdered Hitchbot. Either way you want oh, he, he
4: definitely did something to
3: Hitchbot. <laughs> he saw Hitchbot on the road needing assistance, and he just kind of maybe threw something at it and walked Beated away Beat it like a Vietnamese immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. M- Mark Wahlberg, for all intents and purposes, not a great guy. No. I don't think we're really breaking news here. Yeah.
4: So The Happening from 2008 is directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who you know from Sixth Sense, Signs, Unbreakable, Lady in the Water, The Village, all those movies that have up and down, basically, (laughs) diminishing returns, we'll say.
3: How great would it be if uh, this podcast was the one that got Wahlberg removed from the spotlight? Just some (laughs) random guys listening, like, wait a minute, Mark
4: Wahlberg beat up uh, an immigrant, almost killed him? It just starts trending. Stars: Mark Wahlberg, Zoe Deschanel, John Leguizamo, Ashlyn Sanchez, Betty Buckley, Spencer Breslin, and Robert Bailey Jr. As an IMDb score of 5.0 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 17%. Budget: 48 million dollars. Box office: 64 million domestic. But if you compare it to Signs, it, Signs made two hundred and twenty-seven million dollars domestic. The Village made one fourteen. So not quite where Shyamalan is used to pulling. Yeah,
2: I think the most arrogant credit in that whole thing is that Shyamalan credits himself as the guy on the phone that DeChanel's cheating with. Yeah, that's his say.
4: That's his cameo is the voice of Joey. Oh yeah. <laughs> dick. Like we care. <laughs> <laughs> right
2: <laughs> i i
3: didn't know that i honestly didn't know that and now that i do it it makes i couldn't care less but yeah, exactly. <laughs> that added nothing yeah you guys want to get into the plot yeah damn yeah, what do you got okay uh just gonna give a quick shout out to the top 10 with tia that is a podcast that we all love on this podcast it's uh our good friend tia and her friend uh Brittany. Discussing top 10 lists at a weekly podcast. And you could follow her on Twitter at TC underscore Stark.
4: And you could check out some of her work on Geek Vibes Nation. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break. And you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of the Podcast. And we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy from the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can
0: find the
4: ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OtraduroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info and parlay points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcasts. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot for The Happening. We open on clouds. Lots and lots of clouds, which is the perfect way for this nonsense movie to open up because we're about to stare at a lot of things that do nothing of interest. We cut to Central Park, unusual warm weather day. Two women sit on a park bench as one notices that people are all around them are having stopped moving. She mentions that some people look like they're clawing at themselves. Her friend then takes a hairpin out of her hair and stabs herself in the neck. Three blocks away, some construction workers are making jokes on company time. Must be a union. And then a guy (laughs) comes falling off the building. As they call for an ambulance, another guy jumps. Then a third, a fourth, a fifth, then just a bunch more people. Some of the which I don't even think were real workers. Let me cut to Philadelphia High School, where Mark Wahlberg pretends that he's a <laughs> science teacher.
2: I love that M Night Shyamalan, despite being a famous Philadelphia director, could not get an actual Philadelphia high school name to go along with this movie.
4: Just <laughs> right. Philadelphia High School. He's talking to his students about the lowering bee population then calls out the dumb pretty kid because he doesn't have an answer to why the bee population is shrinking, and then the kid gives the right answer about it being a complete mystery because that's how M. Night Shyamalan's going to eventually write himself out of concluding this film. Vice principal then comes in and puts Wahlberg out, pulls Wahlberg out of the classroom. As they walk down the hall, he notices that all the teachers have been called into the auditorium. Then Cameron from Ferris Bueller's day off makes the announcement that there's been a terrorist attack on Central Park, some sort of bioterrorism event. And then dismissed school for the day.
0: At
2: times it feels like Shyamalan just gets people because people know their face. Like there's sure. no reason to have that actor do that scene. You could have sure. gotten like anybody.
4: Or how about Dante from Clerks playing yeah. the guy in the jeep? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like did, did they do it for scale? Like I doubt it. Like that's probably just that's probably what it is. It's probably scale day. Day pay day rate.
2: Yeah. Something. Yeah. I I guess. But it was just the first thing I thought when when he showed up it was like like what's that phone call like? <laughs> it just. Hey, man, are you free on this day? <laughs> you
4: know? Yeah. Wahlberg, who's playing Elliot, dismisses his class, and then Julian, played by John Lagozama, comes in and says that his mom is telling him to get out of the city and come stay with her in central Pennsylvania. He invites Elliot and his wife Alma to come with them. Wahlberg talks to his wife Alma on the phone and tells her that they were offered a place to stay and that they should go take them up on the offer. Then he meets back up with Julian, and Elliot tells Julian that Alma has been acting weird. Then Julian tells Elliot that he knew his wife was going to divorce him the day they got married. It's a great friend to tell, tell him yeah, that. Yeah. At home, Alma is watching the news. And she keeps getting calls from someone named Joey, which she doesn't answer. Elliot comes home and she tells him that they've evacuated New York City. The report says that there's a neurotoxin that is blocking neurotransmitters that prevent people from killing themselves. It's basically we're basically microscopic level away from killing ourselves all the time, apparently. How did they figure that out so quickly? autopsies but that's pretty quick usually yeah. with you know tox screens take six weeks according to csi miami <laughs> right? unless you bribe the
3: the the, the guy right you give yeah. him some uh
2: cigarettes is that what they do <laughs> yes oh. it's, it, these are jail scientists
4: did i say <laughs> six weeks cigarettes. i meant six minutes <laughs> uh, at 30th street station elliot and alma meet up with julian and his daughter Julian says that his wife is going to meet them there because she was out doing something. Julian barely puts on a face other than disdain for Alma, uh, which makes Alma upset, and she goes ahead and sits on the train by herself. They all eventually get on the train. In House Park, the wind picks up and everyone stops moving. Then a cop shoots himself in the head. And then a chain of people pick up the same gun and shoot themselves in the head as well. On the train, Alma calls the guy, this guy Joey, to tell him to stop calling her. He tells her that they, the attack just hit Philly. And soon the news starts to move down the train as other people get that same news. Julian tries to get a hold of his wife, but he can't hear her over the crowded train. So she texts him to tell him that she's got on a bus to Princeton. Going in the wrong direction, as far as I know. Another passenger, unless I guess, unless they live outside of Philadelphia, further in further east.
2: I think we'll get to it. I don't know if it's in your notes, but I think Jen Likazamo has my signature favorite throwaway lines as though why she was going to Princeton later in the movie yeah he sort of goes well he's gonna go get her a birthday gift yeah the kid and that's it
4: another passenger mentions that the report says that they think the attack started in rittenhouse square park the train eventually stops in the middle of nowhere filbert pennsylvania to be specific which in reality is a six road town west of pittsburgh and no train stops there the connectors all congregate talking to each other, and Mark Wahlberg says, not on my watch, so he goes to figure out what is going on. They tell him that they've lost radio contact with everyone. They go into a diner to wait for more information. Julian has to go get some milk, for some reason, and leaves his daughter with Elliot, who talks to her about mood rings and how different energy gives off different colors. And the woman next to Elliot taps him on the shoulder to show him a video on her brand new original iPhone. And it's from the Philly Zoo, where a worker goes into the lion enclosure and just lets tigers tear him to pieces. Which is the, possibly the silliest moment yeah. in this movie, because the <laughs> CG does not hold up.
2: And that's saying something in this movie. Yeah,
4: and Julian watches it, watches that same video on some guy's Zune or something, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's 2008, Sh- everybody.
2: Shyamalan trying to make sure he's, he gets at least one of the winners
4: <laughs> in that bet. Yeah. Uh, Later, they wheel out a TV for a news report that says that it might not be a terrorist attack. Smaller and smaller cities are being attacked now. Everyone decides that the longer they stay in town, the more likely they all are to die. So everyone piles out of the diner and drives off, leaving leaving Elliot and everybody else without a ride. But a family in a station wagon pulls up and offers Elliot and Alma a ride. Julian tells Elliot that he hasn't been able to get a hold of his wife for a few hours, so he found someone that was headed towards Jersey, and offered him to ri- a ride to Princeton to find her. He leaves his daughter in the hands of Alma and Elliot, and sends some real cryptic shit to Alma before he leaves. <laughs> and then the station wagon couple take Elliot and Alma to their home so they could pick up some supplies before they head out. He tells Alma, like, if you take my kid's hand, you better mean it or something like that. Yeah, yeah. don't right. take my kid's hand unless you mean it.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, so
4: like, that's code for I'm not coming back. Yeah, but he was also, like, is still the disdain on his face.
3: Right, I'm surprised he actually let her yeah. anywhere near. His Don't daughter. touch my fucking kid, <laughs> right. you,
4: you harlot. <laughs> that's
3: a, that's the word of the day. It, yeah, that needs to be used more often.
4: I think. I think so. For just every matter hussy. Hussy is a, just Hussey. a yeah. good one too.
3: Yeah, that that's something that's kind of lost. It's been lost in the lexicon of uh, of uh, sayings, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I I get what he was trying to portray there. Like I'm
4: I'm entrusting you, but it's like I thought he hated her. It doesn't come off that way at all to me. It comes off like he hates her, and like he would rather give he'd rather give his daughter to everybody else on the planet, but he's stuck doing this with her. So she better mean it. That's how it came off to me. Uh, Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, the way that I
3: saw it was basically. He he was he was trusting her even though he didn't like her. But it just it didn't make sense because he doesn't like her. So why would he even allow it, in my opinion? I don't know. It I'm makes no sense dies. to me.
4: I'm glad he dies, to be honest with you.
3: Yeah, he dies pretty quickly too. It's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. yeah he dies before, in like a really
4: shitty way, you know? Yeah.
2: It was all before he could confess his love for Mark Wilmore's character.
4: <laughs> That's what it comes off like. It's it's yeah. uh, a very there is homosexual undertones there. I would, I definitely would have liked to have seen John Leguizamo
3: die in a little bit more of a uh, creative way, right? because you know, the way he kills himself is very serious obviously. He slits his wrist. But you you have you have guys laying in front of uh, lawnmowers just getting shredded, walking into a tiger cage. That's pretty awesome. And he just kind of he like sits in the middle of the road and cuts himself. Yeah. Come on, do be, be
4: better. Be better. <laughs> so the station wagon couple take Elliot and, and Alma to their home, so they pick up some supplies before they head out. They have a greenhouse, which they walk through. The guy that owns the house says he thinks it's the plants because plants are able to release toxins. Meanwhile... Julian is driving with Dante from Clerks as they drive through the suburbs and past a bunch of landscapers that have hung themselves in the trees. That's who that was, Dante. I, I remembered. Yeah. So I don't think like, you do ever you see actually him? see his face in full. You see it just in glimpses, but it's him. Yeah. Ryan O'Halloran.
3: Yeah. How does he not say I was I was uh, supposed to be off today? Or I'm not even supposed no, to be here. I'm not
4: even supposed to be here today. He is going into Jersey, yeah. though. That makes That's sense. true. He was going into work. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to open the quick quick stop. stop. (laughs) One of the passengers freaks out at the sight of the guys hanging from trees, so Julian tries to calm her down by taking her mind off it and busy her with math problems. Julian then notices that there's a hole in the canvas roof of the Jeep they're driving in, so it's not airtight. And rather than do anything about it, Julian just stares at it. And then sure enough, Dante drives right into a tree. He stares at it forever. He
3: definitely had enough time to try to at least cover it. But it's already he's like
4: basically what oh, we're fucked, so might as well not even try here. In this day and age, post pandemic, wearing masks, there is not an attempt in this movie to ever cover your mouth so you don't breathe in the toxins, except for those two old ladies in the montage that have gas masks. That's yeah. right.
3: Yeah, they're they're the only ones shown wearing some type of facial covering. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> Why do not
4: you think about that, science teacher?
3: Well, you you didn't want to be seen as a a soy boy, I
4: guess. (laughs) Yeah. Can't tell me what to do. Right.
3: That's well.
4: Yeah. Listen, there's a deadly thing going on, but my freedoms. So suck it. So. Sure enough, Dante drives right into a tree. Then Julian gets out of the crashed car, sits in the middle of the road, and then slits his wrists with broken glass. Elliot and Alma are back with the station wagon couple and Julian's daughter in the car. They come across a country road with a whole bunch of bodies strewn about the road, so they change direction to get away from it. At a fork in the road, they come across a private from the army base, saying the army base got hit. Then a couple more cars come from other directions. All of them have similar stories coming from all directions, so they all decide that the safest place is right where they are. As they try and figure out what to do, a woman gets on the phone with her daughter in Princeton. The daughter says that everyone is dead. And then the daughter kills herself with her last words being calculus, which is unfortunate. (laughs) The last thing you're thinking of my, my homework. Yep. Elliot goes off to be alone and cries. Julian's daughter goes to comfort him and they cry together. And then Alma just cries from a distance. (laughs) Later, the station wagon guy talks to Alma about what he believes. He says the plants have an incredible ability to evolve and attack predators by releasing toxins that attract predators of their predators. So it's entirely possible that it is plants. Elliot goes to talk to the military guy, and they figure out that the small, that smaller and smaller populations are being affected. So the plan is to find a remote location to keep their numbers down and ride it out. A realtor from the local area points them in the direction of a town called Arendelle, which is also the name of the kingdom in Frozen, by the way. Which Jen wouldn't made be, sure to say that. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be on the larger maps and to split into smaller groups to keep the numbers down. So the big group is split into two smaller ones, and they go off to walk it. During this walk, Alma confesses that she had dessert with a guy named Joey, but that was it. And that's, that's it. That's the whole dramatic thing about Alma. Eventually, the one group led by the private stops because the wind picks up, and he shoots himself in the head. On the other side of the hill, Elliot and Alma's group hear gunshots and realize that the other group is killing themselves. So everyone yells at Elliot to do something. But he needs time to do calculations, which consists of Mark Ballberg just reciting the scientific method. As everybody gets tired of waiting for him and decides to go try and help everybody else, Elliot decides that it's the plants and the plants are targeting smaller and smaller groups. He then says... We have to stay ahead of the wind. So we get a scene of people trying to outrun wind. And if you think it's as dramatic as it sounds, it you know, certainly is. <laughs> if, if, think about
3: it. If you're, if you're in that group with the, and one of the guys says, we have to outrun the wind, what stops you from just saying, fuck you, dude? We can't do that. <laughs> it's like, that's physically impossible, man. Right. Uh, yeah. Why doesn't any, I mean, granted, he's with two kids, so that might be why. <laughs> Probably. Like, oh, okay, mister. You, you got it. But yeah, if rational people would just be like, so we're dead then. Is that what you're telling me? Because we, we're, we're not doing that.
4: <laughs> Elliot, Alma, and Jess wind up with a couple of kids in tow, including Spencer Breslin. They make it to a model home and look for supplies and devise a plan to make it to Arendelle. And Elliot talks to a plastic plant. As they leave the model home, they see other groups of people coming into the neighborhood. But there's too many of these people, and they are affected by the toxin, including one guy that turns on a lawnmower and then lays down in front of it. The group of five set out on foot. They eventually come across a farm with portable radio sitting on a fence. They try to get a radio announcement, but it cuts off before it finishes. They eventually make it to the farmhouse. that looks abandoned. Spencer Breslin says he could break down the door. Before he does, they realize that there are people inside. They try and convince the people inside that they mean them no harm meanwhile Spencer Breslin keeps trying to break down the door then people inside shoot him in the chest with the rifle and then the black kid in the head and then Jess runs off Alma and Elliot chase after them yeah those kids get brutalized oh yeah it's pretty bad it's slow
3: motion too yeah <laughs> Mark even with Mark Wahlberg no yep yeah it's very it's very uh it's very harrowing and uh
2: then they just kind of like that's it yep okay. <laughs> Was that him practicing what he would have done on the airplanes on 9-11? <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> no, because it happens there. And yeah. he there. <laughs> right? Not
4: on his watch, bro. <laughs> it wouldn't have gone down like that. But it did go down like that. <laughs> we then get a montage of people watching the news across the country, reacting in a very familiar way to the news, as we learned this year. They come across another house that looks abandoned, so Elliot goes to investigate finds an old woman sitting on the porch, very protective of her lemon drink, and then she begrudgingly offers them to stay for dinner. Why does she do it? Because she's Christian, right? Does she Is say that? that?
2: I, th- I thought no, she, she, she gave she... a reason. I, I think her thing was like, I guess I got to ask you to stay for food, huh? Or something I... like that. It... Yeah. For,
3: for some reason, maybe I'm just imagining that, but I thought, it was like, yeah, it's
4: like the Christian thing to do. I don't remember. Possible. It sounds like something that would be said. Right. I don't remember. At dinner, the old woman mentions that there is a spring house in the back of the property, which they used to hide runaway slaves back in the 1800s. It has a tube to speak through the wall that goes underground. It's like 50 feet away, but it sounds like you're right next to somebody. And then the old woman's mood changes and she seems inconvenienced by their presence. She wants to know nothing about what's going on in the world, but she lets them stay the night. But then she also accuses them of plotting against her to kill her in her sleep. And that's when we get Mark Wahlberg saying, what? No, (laughs) I'm totally not (laughs) going to do
3: that. It's such an unnecessary plot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think this scene is stronger and it plays better if she's super nice instead of being a crazy like hag. Sure. You know, because then you care about her. Oh, the sweet woman! She's she's helping Mark Wahlberg. She's helping our heroes out. But no, she's super mean. And you think that she's you're probably safer outside than inside with her. Right. But like nothing
4: comes of it, you know. Yeah, not 100 percent sure why she's got to be crazy old lady. Right. Yeah. Make make her nice. There's (laughs) no reason. You you kind of start off on that
3: foot like oh you know I'm gonna uh, I don't want to know what's going on out there, but I'll I'll let you guys stay. Because yeah. that's it's the neighborly thing to do. But yeah, it's just like, well, I guess you gotta stay. Well, not really. The, the last house we were at, they literally
4: killed two kids, so yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't have to let us stay. In a better disaster movie, it would be like they wake up in the morning and they're like, it's not safe in this house anymore. You need yes. to come with us. And she'll be like, I've lived in this house for 50 years, and there's nothing gonna take me away from this house. I'm gonna die in this house, and surely My... she does
3: my husband Henry built this house with his own hands and I'll be damned if I have to leave Henry behind. And so, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. That's, and then like they're running away. And the next thing you see is just uh, this lady walk out into the front porch, blow her head off yeah. or however you, you <laughs> want to kill her off. That's just Hold, holding her wedding photo. Yes. With, with Henry. And I'm just assuming his name is Henry. It sounds like a nice old name yeah and uh yeah or she does like the the, yeah the omen style it's all for you henry and she just jumps off the roof and hangs herself i guess
4: or she just takes like she goes out on her terms just swallows a whole bunch of pills yeah that's that's not that's not a bad way to go
1: Mm
3: -hmm. but it's up to the plants the plants tell
4: you how to kill yourself in the morning elliot wakes up to an empty house he goes looking for everyone and winds up finding a scary ass doll and the old lady catches him and accuses him of trying to steal her shit. She tells him they all need to leave and she storms out of the house. He goes to try and talk some sense into her. But the wind picks up and she stops walking dead in her tracks. Elliot runs back inside. The old lady winds up smashing her head into several windows. Elliot is forced to hide in the bathroom with a towel against the door. He faintly hears Alma's voice and goes to investigate. And he finds the pipe to the springhouse and realizes that Alma and Jess are in the springhouse calls to her through the pipe and tells her to shut the windows and doors and she says why it might be the most frustrating thing in this entire movie yeah <laughs> oh right deadly pandemic <laughs> oh right
3: the gas no <laughs> yeah that's a good reason to hate her i guess <laughs>
4: It's like, what do you mean, why? What have we been dealing with for the past 24 hours, woman?
3: Yeah, she was just so taken aback by the, the, the rustic charm of this house <laughs> that she just plain forgot about all the death outside. <laughs>
4: just hunting for frogs in the spring house. Right, and, and why did she go outside anyway with the kid? Yeah, I guess the, at that point they were not expecting it to get to the point where two people can cause these toxins to release but it's not a good move. Yeah. No. Despite the fact that she asks why they do eventually close the doors and windows. And this is basically what they've come to realize is the last stand of sorts. Someone's probably going to die is what they figured. So they talk to each other through the pipe, talking about the mood ring and how it was the icebreaker in their religion, relationship, religion, relationship. And the corniest line ever, what color was love comes out. And neither of them remember. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> and then Elliot decides that if he dies, he can't die without Alma. So he steps out of the house in order to make his way to her. And then she does the same with Jess, which I thought you could leave her in the house. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of food for her to survive for a little yeah. while. Like maybe but, don't don't send
3: this girl out to die with you. Right. But but also you didn't have to do it. I mean, it's not going to be windy the entire day. Right. Yeah. I mean, the
4: wind doesn't just constantly blow. Maybe was just over it. He's like, I'm fucking tired of this. I can't keep running. But it's gonna get um, me. It's gonna get me, and I'm gonna die with the woman that I've been married to, but we have a strained relationship with. Okay, that makes more
3: sense. <laughs> I, I'm sitting there, I'm watching it, and he's just like, "This is gonna be it. You know, this is this is how it ends." And I'm just like, "Well, you could just wait for the wind to die down and then reunite, and you'll be okay." Yeah. But I get it. You know, it's just like you don't know how long you're going to be stuck here. You're just tired of it all. I want to yeah. kill this kid. I get it. <laughs> What's the best way to kill off this kid because he's become <laughs> right? a real person?
4: plan. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> "Oh man, I'm really not ready for a kid, let alone a 6-year-old." What what a better what better way than to just
3: get rid of some baggage? It's like, "Hey, listen, there's a, a deadly pandemic going around." Whoops, there goes the kid. Not my fault. it's the the plants the
4: plants killed the kid not me wink the wind picks up i'm sorry (laughs) the wind picks up and they meet each other in the field but nothing happened they both go into the house and they wait it out and then as we fade out we get an adr line of just mark Wahlberg saying i guess it was over before we got there before we walked (laughs) outside just m night shalom just wiping his hands of it (laughs) explaining it away and that's the end of that chapter (laughs) And then we cut to three months later Jess is starting school back up and she has been Adopted by Alma and Elliot On the news experts are trying to explain the event Basically coming to the conclusion that the dumb kid Said in the beginning of the movie that it can't be Explained thanks M. Night (laughs) But they say It's because we're the disease That's the point of this whole movie We're the real walking dead It's Thanos was right essentially Yeah and then Alma takes a Pregnancy test and she's pregnant And she waits for Elliot walking down the street, her wearing a pair of cargo flood pants and Elliot wearing a pair of jeans two sizes too long.
2: (laughs) The mid-2000s, baby.
4: And then in the greatest waste of money, M. Night Shyamalan flew the entire production out to Paris to film the scene, what is essentially the same scene as a Central Park scene from the beginning, as the happening occurs there now too. And then we fade out. And that's the end of the happening. Kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. Like you said, it's dumb. It's it's pretty stupid. It's pretty fucking stupid.
2: <laughs> it was definitely one of those movies where M Knight thought it was much more profound than it actually was. Absolutely. Yeah.
4: I kind of feel the same way I felt about Iron Sky, where there's this message at the end of this movie that this movie does not earn mm-hmm. this whole where the disease and it's like, well, what's your point? Right. <laughs> what what's the resolution that you've decided why are we the first of all why are we the the disease because it's not there's nothing about this movie it's like oh see this is how bad people treat this is how bad people treat each other you know it's true yeah
3: yeah Uh, i mean the opening shot is people you know just enjoying a sunny day together no one's you know no one's cutting down the trees
4: yeah, it sounds like those two girls are shooting black tar heroin on the <laughs> on that park bench, and then it's like, oh well, yeah, we are the disease. And, and he has the golden opportunity
3: in the very in the opening shot of the movie because he shows clear blue skies, baby. Why not show us a, uh, a power plant? Just belching toxic fumes into the, the air. You know what I'm saying? Like a factory. Just yeah. like the, the river is choked with plastic. We get it then. Like, yeah, we suck. That yeah. makes more sense. But yeah, just saying we're the disease and not and even at the end, they really don't come to the conclusion of that. Right. And just be like, yeah,
4: hey, we don't know. Eh. <laughs> Could be anything. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the end of Have you ever seen Burn After Reading? I was just watching that. That was one of the yeah. movies I watched. Where J.K. Simmons is just being debriefed of all the events that have happened. He's like, well, we learned not to do it again. <laughs> right. What we did, I have no idea, but we know not to do it again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, because it, 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 it was such a series of just strange oh, happenstance. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's literally all you can take from that from that movie is just like, well... This will never the the chances of this happening again are just so slim that we just know okay well we we just won't let this happen here it's something happens we don't know why that's it yep. <laughs> that's, just give us more show
4: yeah. show don't tell you know yeah it this movie lacks a thesis statement yes that's basically it's, what's wrong with it <laughs> especially coming from
3: the main character who is a science teacher yeah yeah. What a dumb movie! Yeah, <laughs> and and again, like, I honestly, you you see this movie and you think this should have ruined someone's career. Someone yeah. should not have bounced back from this,
4: and they kept giving M Night money. Just yeah. do it again. Yeah, I mean, Zoe Deschanel got a sitcom out of it for yeah. six years. Yeah, she she got the best deal out of this. Well, I mean, Wahlberg went on to do other movies, obviously. Yeah,
3: but everyone walked away like. Generally unscathed. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I Good think the, them. I think Hot Dog Guy probably suffered the most.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think this movie does improve if you replace the the actor, the lead actor, with somebody that seems to be. If if this movie was truly made as a wink, because Mark Wahlberg is not understanding that, but I I think replacing him with somebody that is in on the joke um, would be a, a lot better.
2: And yeah, doing it more. Maybe it was too late for him, but keeping it on the more like well-known side, you could have had someone like a maybe like a Matthew Broderick, you mm-hmm. know, that could have been.
4: I don't like that pick. I got to be honest <laughs> with you, Mark. No, nope, like no,
2: nope. I get no.
3: I was thinking and uh, he was he's too old for for yeah, it. at that point. No, no, not not Matthew Broderick, but someone who would be good at being in on the joke, I thought. But it, again, he was too old for this. Like someone like you, like Michael Keaton, I would like to have seen, but again, he's too old. You, you can't yeah. have him be
4: with, you know, Zoe Deschanel. I don't know, maybe like a I John mean, C. Riley. We can't also, Mark. We can't, we can't upgrade from a guy that almost killed a Vietnamese immigrant to a guy that actually Who did, did kill, kill someone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's true. But it, it wasn't an immigrant, I guess, right? Uh, I, it
4: was. I mean, it was somebody in. A different country so it was a it was a person from the ho- their oh, homeland he okay. did kill them on their soil so <laughs> i guess it's a little bit better <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh fuck you matthew broderick that's what we're saying yeah I,
3: I remember just as a quick little side note i remember you know when i was younger having seen matthew broderick in some movies like oh i you know i don't mind matthew broderick and then i heard what he did and just immediately i don't like this man at all. And I still stand by that today. So I, I second Anthony's take on <laughs> fuck Matthew Broderick.
4: I got nothing else to say about this movie.
3: Anybody else? What a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> fuck you, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> That's what I took away from this movie. We're,
4: we're nothing if not consistent. That's true. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, do I have anything else to say about this? Um, you know, Um
4: it's, it's not unwatchable. I'll yes. I was going to say... I recommend you watch it at least once. Yeah. And just yeah. for fun. That's it. Like I I didn't hate myself while watching this. It moves pretty quick. It's only ninety minutes, which is awesome. Yeah. Yes. It it's mercifully short. It doesn't it doesn't wear its welcome. It's it's watchable. It's entirely watchable, I'll say. And
3: and it doesn't do what Lady in the Water does, where Shyamalan tries to introduce this whole lore mm-hmm. and it just it falls so flat. It's so uninteresting. At least this it just it gives you it, it it moves from point A to point B pretty straightforward it it doesn't really throw too many weird twists and turns at you
4: it's very simple yeah very simple story
3: almost to its own fault again if it if they had done anything other than the plants I think it works yeah uh, government aliens extraterrestrial just like a, a natural like some weird phenomena. Not the fucking, like, he has some, Shyamalan has some weird fetish for just, like, the natural world being the problem, right? Yeah. Because in Signs, it's water. That's that's what the aliens are weak to. Like, what the fuck are you talking
4: about, dude? Yeah. That's so I, dumb. It's like, at the end of the day, we're just, we're looking at landscape shots of trees just blowing in the winds.
3: Right, and it's not, <laughs> as Mark said, it's not profound in any sort of way. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it read like somebody had saw read one article on Wikipedia about plant toxins and then right. decided to write an entire movie about it.
4: Yeah, it Shyamalan probably sure. they could do
3: that.
2: Holy shit. Sure.
4: It's like it's like if they did shot the whole movie and they made the cut and then they ran out of money when they were supposed to CGI what the actual monster was supposed to be. And it was like, shit, well. That's the trees, though.
3: <laughs>
4: uh, bird box has entered the chat.
1: Yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what it is. Uh, close your eyes. <laughs> it is a pretty genius way of making a movie pretty cheap. Although this movie did what? What was it? Like forty something million dollars? Come on now, forty eight million dollars. It's a lot of money.
2: The that was Mark Wahlberg's salary. He yeah, uh, probably got like 20 scene, of
4: it. The scene of the guy getting to- torn apart by lions was yeah. another 10. <laughs> yeah. And then that trip to Paris was probably like $8 million. Although oh, it was probably shot with second union, unit, to be honest. Every, uh,
2: every Everybody else was paid scale. Right.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's why Alan Ruck is in it for our it. 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a very weird allocation of money. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys want to plug your shit so we can get out of here?
3: Yeah, let's do that for sure. Uh, at the Aquino, uh, 122 is my Twitter handle. You follow us on, uh, you know, I totally skipped that. Uh, also, Stranger Damies, that's, we haven't played in a while, so I'm a little rusty. But uh, we stream on Twitch every, you know, like every other Friday. Check the Twitter at Stranger Damies. And uh, we'll, we'll give you we'll let you know when we're playing and when the episodes come out. And uh, that's it.
2: Yeah. So the uh, uh, as as Dan said, the episodes uh, usually come out every other Wednesday. Um, but just keep an eye out for the live sessions because they sometimes float around. Uh, they're supposed to be every other Friday. But, you know, it's the summer and like thing hap- things happen. So um, we might be able to juggle those around. Um, so just uh, stick to the Twitter. Um, we also stream video games on the twitch.tv slash um five nights a week. Uh, we do uh, Apex uh, Legends on Wednesdays. Um, doing a playthrough of Paper Mario on Thursdays. Um, Saturday might turn into my um, just playing Mass Effect in um, Saturday afternoons or some large chunk of time on a Saturday. Sunday is Dan of the Wild. Dan playing through Breath of the Wild. Monday is our retro stream where Tom either plays a retro game from our retro roulette pick, um, or he plays through an old RPG. We're currently playing through Suikoden on the PlayStation 1. And then, um, then we have our podcast uh, that airs every other Monday, um, the Game Vault Podcast. Um, you can find it wherever um, you download um, your shows. And we're on Instagram and Twitter and all socials at Game Vault Pod. Uh, so be sure to check that out.
4: All right, great. And we are They Call This Movie. You can find us at... Spreaker. Just by searching, they call this a movie. We are part of the maindami.com. That is our main website, and it's also where you find us on socials. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just look for the maindami, and we'll pop right up. We are available on all podcast streaming apps: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. Uh, we are also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find that at gbnation.com, and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps, just search Geek Vibes Nation, and they will pop right up. Bunch of great shows, us and a bunch of other great ones. If you're into geek stuff, surely a show for you. You can find us on TikTok. They call Us a movie has its own yeah. TikTok. You can find that just by searching they called us a movie. And if you have a question, comment, you want to suggest a movie to us, the main naming at gmail.com is there for you. You can also hit us up on Twitter for any suggestions as well that's gonna wrap it up uh the movie was the happening directed by m night Shyamalan. so for dan aquino mark myers this is anthony dovecchio saying m night Shyamalan, well you certainly made a movie didn't you